This ain't no joke, this ain't no game. This that CSC game. They said pull up, so I came. You better put some respect on that name. Yeah, 55 was goody. Kill the vibe, how could he? Big card on the hoodie. Let me break it down for you fully. This ain't your average broadcast. This ain't just no podcast. The mother show spread fake news. We just call them broadcast. West, Joey, Sam, Sean, Dalton. And you know that boy Higgy. He said he don't want no small fries. Tell him they better make them biggie. Yeah, you already know what we be on. We got the crown, we hold the throne. We throw the mails and you take them home. When they ring the bells, you know that it's home. The bar set, we setting the tone. If we set it, then set it in stone. Now sit in the seat and set up your phone. You in the car, no sports zone. <laughs> set it. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Cardinal Sports Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wallman. Today's show, we bring you another great edition of Game Day Prep. Uh, as most of y'all know, this is something I started about three games into the season because I start, I got tired of doing the whole uh, Q&A back and forth DMing people, and I know so many great people that, that follow and cover all the sports. I'm like, let's make this an audio show. So that's what we've done, and... Whereas some people might say we saved the worst for last, I would like to say with my guest, opponent-wise maybe, but as far as guests are concerned, <laughs> I saved the best for last. Uh, today we're going to talk to somebody that I initially bonded that I initially bonded with over Twitter, over music, new edition, new edition to be exact. Uh, then just oh, let's get it. Yeah, then seeing how much he loved his parents, how much he loved his friends, and how shooting your shot sometimes works in real life. Uh, a, a half a million likes later, he is on the opposing fan, one of the opposing fan base's best guys, and one I have been able to rivalry with and enjoy the back and forth. Uh, not too many of those on either side. I did have the pleasure of meeting him face to face, covering a U of L UK baseball super regional game. He was dressed to the nines. I looked like a bum. I was in my basketball shorts. But it is without further ado, it's the Twitter world famous guy and co-host of Cats Talk Wednesday. Terry Brown, Terry TB, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for thanks for having me. You know, we we saw each other at baseball. We we hung out at a, a field hockey game. Yeah. So not not just the big sports. And that's what I like about what you do. You know, football and men's basketball. That's easy, right? Mm-hmm. Those those are the ones everybody wants to go to, but I tell folks those uh, student athletes for those quote unquote minor sports they work just as hard as the people you know, man. Yeah, they do. You know, some sometimes harder. You know, uh, to to get that recognition. So I appreciate all the work you do. Hey, man, and I appreciate you as well. Uh, just so those of y'all listening know, this is also a first for me. This is the first time that I have connected the mixer to the MacBook Pro. If it sounds different, let me know. Uh, I won't have any way of knowing until I edit the podcast. If you like it, I like being able to see, uh, you know, see who I'm talking to instead of just awkwardly. And I, and even when we just have the regular podcast, and I have people calling over the phone when they can't be in the studio, I hate where I'm wanting to say something. I can't see the other people's face, so I don't want to jump in and stuff. So this is awesome for me. I get to see uh, TB face to face, and uh, l- let's get it, man. Uh, this game will be taking place this Saturday at 7:30. On ESPN2, right now the cards are a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which, as I've explained to you all in the past, it basically makes this a pick'em game since the home team normally gets three points just for hosting. As I've said before, uh, worked out for us against Syracuse. We were a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite against them, uh, handled business. But let's get into game day prep, TB. I asked, uh, in game day prep, I asked five fun questions, and then we get down to business in the last five. So you ready? Yes, sir. I'm ready to go. All right, let's get it. First question, and then these are going to be personal questions because I know you a lot better than I know everybody else that I've done this with. So, first question, what is it like, what was it like to be a UK fan that was brought up in a L household? Or better yet, how did that happen? Because you don't see that a whole lot, or vice versa. So, I was born and raised, and I've shared pictures. I was a Louisville fan growing up. Mm. My pa- my parents had season tickets to football and basketball in the early '80s, and you know I, I, I tell folks my f- my most precious gift, which I still have, is I've got a Lancaster Gordon signed card that I saw. You know we saw him uh, Freedom Hall, and he signed it for me. Best wishes, Terry, and that's still my most tr- uh, prized possession. Uh, going all the way up to the Samaki Walker years, you know, in the early 90s. So I get to high school, and I'm working on my grades. I'm doing my thing. And L says, hey, we're going to give you X to come. I said, great. 
that's a good scholarship. Kentucky said we're going to give you X plus Y and a little Z. <laughs> and and so off I went and I changed my allegiances. Uh, one, once I got the money in my hands, I was bought. I was swayed. <laughs> so the, the reason I don't rivalry as hard as some of my blue brothers and sisters is you know, number one, it ain't that serious. That's right. number one. Right. But number two, I'm not going to talk about Louisville fans because both my parents went to Louisville. My brothers went to Louisville. Like, I was the first person in my family to go to Kentucky. So uh, I, I don't rivalry that hard. So uh, my dad, the entire time I was there at UK, just called it the school down 64. <laughs> that was that was that was his way of, of having fun with it, but uh, but my family's been really cool since then. I've had some I had a niece and some cousins go to UK, so uh, it's still we're still a Louisville family. But uh, I think I kind of took the top off that a little bit. Hey, I love all the pictures you share of your daughters in their Louisville gear. That that makes my heart smile a little bit, even though it's still oh, hot. You know, it still makes my heart smile a little bit. I don't know what to say. Oh, that that that's one of those things, you know, because I used to be a big rivalry person, but uh, like once my girls got into field hockey, Louisville's field hockey program is just, you know, it's been top 10 last three or four years at least, Final Four last year. Uh, so they want to do uh, uh, field hockey. I'm fine with that. You know, people say, uh, are you going to be okay with them going to U of L? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yes. I think for me, the reason why the rivalry wasn't as serious is because first off, I was a player in the rivalry. I uh, I got up to my recruiting class is one of the most infamous recruiting classes in Louisville football history. I had Don Bibb, Ivan Green, Danny Mosby, Chris Redman, all those guys were in my recruiting class, and uh, you know they were they were five hundred two boys, and that you know we that was probably the biggest Louisville recruiting class that that we have ever had. But more importantly. I had a couple friends that went to Kentucky. I went to Doss High School, one of my best friends, Derek Anderson. You know, he didn't initially commit to Kentucky, but he committed to Ohio State, uh, tore, tore his knee up, and then went to Kentucky. And I think he tore his other knee up at Kentucky. He, he, yeah. Me and him both had uh, multiple ACL uh, injuries. The only difference is, is that he went pro and made a lot of money, and I'm doing radio right now. <laughs> so, But, no, it, it was hard for me at a young age to talk crap about uh, my family. Most of my family's from from, uh, from Southern Kentucky, so they were automatically Kentucky fans. Didn't like – honestly, the reason – the biggest – and this one's going to be a longer show because we do know each other personally, and, and we do share a lot of uh, similar interests. So uh, – Buckle up because the show's going to be good and it's going to be a little bit longer. But the reason, and I've told this story before, the reason why I become a Louisville fan was simply this. When I was growing up, I had a lot of uncles and aunts that were in Southern Kentucky, and they weren't all. When it came to Kentucky versus Louisville, I saw how they acted when it came to Louisville, the Louisville game, uh, the racial slurs, the insensitive things, and I just knew from a young age I didn't want to be like that. I didn't want to be that person. I, I grew up in in a black neighborhood, so if I were to be that the same people they were, that would not have turned out from well for me at all. But more importantly, my grandmother, who was a Kentucky fan, always taught me to to love everybody the same. So that that just was never in my, and I know that's not the same now. But back then, that's the way everything was. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and just to hear the way that they acted, just, I mean, these were 40-year-old men, around six- and seven-year-old kids just acting a fool, and I, and, and they're not the same now either. They, uh, they've they changed as well, the, the more that they've been exposed to uh, more people, because down there, they're not a, it's just a whole bunch of white people, so they don't, I mean, I'm not trying to give them an excuse or anything, it sounds like I am, but like they never... I brought like the first three black people to, to, to the county that they're, I'm not going to call out the county cause I don't want them to get any kind of hate, but like I came down there with Terrence Farley. He came, went down there with me one time. Uh, DA went down there with me one time and I can't remember who the third person was. That I took down there. Every, you would have thought that there was a, a parade in town, the way that we got looked at and everybody was staring at us and stuff like that. But, uh, to get back on track here, like, I was ra- I was raised better, and they were raised better too. So I don't know what 
what the problem, but that's why I become a Louisville fan because I wanted to be the opposite of hateful. And back then, that's what the fan base was was hateful. But speaking of the rivalry, I'll ask. I'll go ahead and go to question number two. Uh, I remember our freshman year at Louisville was the second meeting of the schools in modern day history. It was Coach Cooper's first year coaching. He's the one that swayed me. I heard his speech and. They, they put on his introduction speech on WDRB. I'll never forget it. And I, instantly I was like, I want to play for that guy. It sounds like he loves the program. He's, he's going to – and to his credit, he's now the offensive uh, – he, he is a quality control pers- uh, coach for Alabama. Like, that guy went from literal rags to riches. He, he's a great dude. He still keeps up with me. Uh, I can call him anytime I want to. When I first walked into his office, he's like, gosh, dang, woman, you're going to be an NFL player one day. Look at the NFL size. And had I not torn my ACL three times, uh, I probably would have been. But that's neither here nor there. But it was something that swayed my decision to stay at home and play for Louisville, the rivalry game. And it's something that I didn't get to look forward to as a kid because it just didn't happen. And for a while, yeah. the basketball game didn't happen either. Now, I was lucky enough that that started getting played, I think, around when I was like seven or eight, so I didn't have to go too long without it. But uh, speaking of the rivalry, what does this rivalry mean to you? I mean, it, it's it's big time. Uh, you know, I've always said that this rivalry is better than Duke, North Carolina. It's better than Ohio State, Michigan, because it's for everything. Yeah, like it's for everything. I have been to Kentucky and Louisville soccer games. Um, I took the girls. We went to like six or seven straight of those women's soccer games. Uh, you know, volleyball. Like it is the game for every single sport. And when you look at the matchups, it is generally speaking, at least one team is ranked. Yeah, and for the most part. Both teams are right. Like you talked about the the game that uh, you and I met at, it was both teams playing the Super Regional in baseball. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this year, uh, Louisville Volleyball, undefeated number one, uh, hosted Kentucky, the defending champion volleyball team. So, you know, and back when when we were growing up, there was men's basketball and crickets. I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah. And so – I like that both schools have invested across the board in a bunch of different sports. And it is, to me, it's the best universal uh, rivalry in all the collegiate sports. No, I I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, all the way. So, um, again, in every, in every, it's not just one sport. You're absolutely correct. Like when we were growing up, it was just men's basketball. And then, a little bit later, football got introduced, and then women's basketball, then baseball, then all of them kind of followed suit, and we, we got really, really – there's been a lot of good games in all the sports from the lightning game in football uh, yeah. to, to the U of L UK's basketball, uh, women's basketball game. Uh, I believe that, that you all ended up on top on that one in, uh, a couple years. But I just – so many. I can't even remember, like, the exact day, uh, years and everything, but it's like – this is it's not just no it's not just a one sport it's it it's uniform throughout the entire athletic program uh question yeah. question three and this we're gonna get a little lighthearted here how does it feel to be twitter famous <laughs> i i tell you you know for background for folks that, that don't know uh i met my now wife i slid into the dms he did uh this this was uh, August of 2017, we had been, and I'm not sure who followed who first, but I was like, oh, okay, she's cute. And I'm like, I'm looking for an end, right? right? Like, how am I going to try to make this work? And so she is tweeting about, uh, where do you meet the single men? Like, where do you meet single men? She's, she's, you know, mid forties, like I am. And my first response is Twitter. And I'm like, awesome. She's like, oh, that's the worst. I'm like, oh, so I got to do my Dion backpedal. So, you know, so I do all this kind of stuff. And long story short, slide to the DMs and it, and it works out great. And then uh, uh, Labor Day weekend 2020, I proposed. And the funny thing about the tweet, I think that's what you're talking about yeah. here, is as soon as she said yes, 
Okay, had to get on Twitter. She said yes. And then she was like, let's go get a pizza. I was like, all right, great. While we're waiting on the pizza, I do the SpongeBob uh, a screenshot, you know, where she asked for the, uh, where you can meet single men. Brilliant. My response. And then I do the SpongeBob. Three years later, she said yes. And we get the pizza and it's got like four or 500 likes. Okay, great. We watch a movie. I'm up to 10,000 likes. I'm like, okay, this is weird. Wake up the next day to 200 and something thousand likes. And it's just, so we ended up like 530,000 likes. We got some free booze out of it. Like it was on BuzzFeed. Like it was, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. It was pretty awesome. I will tell you the, the best thing, all that interaction, I had to mute it obviously, but of the reactions I saw, I only saw like three negative things. Most of it was overwhelmingly positive. I still go back to that tweet because people responding how they met their person. You know, I met my person at AOL chat room. I met my person. And so for, for us, you know, 2020 was rough for everybody. Yeah, I love to go back to it and just, you know, hey, there's a lot of good out in the world. And it really was. I mean, th- this has to hit a different way for you too, because this, this, there's not a whole lot of positive things on Twitter. And if right. you, if you ask what was one of the, you could ask anybody in America what was one of your top five bright spots of Twitter in 2020, and that tweet would be in every. My cousin who lives out in Arizona uh, was was she'll send me tweets from time to time. She's like, oh, this is cute, and I'm like, yeah, that's my boy. I was like that's that's my guy. Uh, <laughs> I know him. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to ask you this real quick before we go to the next thing. Who's the most famous person that responded? Because I know you got some notable, maybe not famous, but notable. I saw so I remember back then I was like, oh man, like he like these are some notable people. The the actual Twitter account retweeted it and liked it. Like the at Twitter, which I didn't know. So once it got to like hundred thousand likes, I had to mute it, right? Because my feed became kind of useless right. and so people would point out well twitter retweeted i was like i know twitter he's like no no actual twitter <laughs> uh but a lot of sports people a lot of espn folks sarah spain uh liked it uh, uh jake tapper of cnn news he he liked it megan mccain you know even though not a big fan of her politics necessarily but that's still pretty cool um uh uh Josh Radner of, uh, I think that's how you say his name, of How I Met Your Mother, uh, retweeted, liked it. And so, yeah. So, that's pretty cool. It was all over the place. So, we, we, like I said, for as big as it got, because I'm like, oh man, you know, you see something good and then people come to fight it. Like I said, we really uh, were fortunate there wasn't a whole lot of negative that we saw, you know. Yeah. And like I said, that that was a lot of people's feel, and and, and I, I appreciate it a lot because I know you, uh, you're you uh, you pretty much put it all out there on Twitter, and that's something I admire about you because you're not afraid to like share your feelings, whether they're good or bad, or or happy or sad. Like you're pretty, you're you're open book, and oh yeah, I feel like even though we've only we've only uh, hung out like two or three times, I feel like you're. You're like one of my best, like I could go to you for anything. You know, you could come to me for anything. And it's because of how much, and I'm the same way. I put, a, I wear my heart on my sleeve and I put like when my mom and dad are sick, I put that out on Twitter and it's not for attention. Just like you didn't do what you did for attention, but just so they can get some good vibes and some good prayers uh, coming and, their way. So, and, and Twitter is a tool. Like we say, you know, social media is bad. It isn't. Social media is, is just a neutral. It's all about how you use it. Right. Like, you know, is my baseball bat bad? Well, not if I'm, you know, at a baseball field, but if I'm beating somebody. Yeah. So it's all about how you use it. And I've had so much good come from Twitter. I've met you. I've met a ton of people that way. I met my wife. Uh, I'm, you know, my show, uh, Cat Talk Wednesday with Vinny, met him on Twitter. Like, Twitter has been a good thing for me because I try to put some good stuff out there. Yeah. And, and you're right. Twitter really is what you make of it. There, there. I put out a tweet last week that was like, "Twitter is full of a bunch of." Or, how did it go? It was like, "I have met a bunch of crappy people on Twitter, but I would not trade that for the amount of good people that I've met from Twitter." I mean, I'm, 
the, just the people that do the show with me on on the Saturday or the Sunday shows that we do. Sean, Sean Barber, uh, great dude. Met him on Twitter. Dalton Pence, met him on Twitter. Uh, Higgy, even though I make fun of him all the time, I met him on Twitter. Um, Sam, Sam Baseden, Baseboy124, shout out to him. Met him on Twitter. Last but not least, uh, my brother Joey. I, I didn't meet him on Twitter. I met him in the living room uh, the day he was born. But, uh, you know, just a bunch of great people I've met on Twitter, and they absolutely yeah. – just with Higgy outweighs the bad. Uh, yes, that's a that's a crappy pun, weight pun towards Higgy, but we joke on each other, and he's not here to defend himself, so I'm going to take the open shot. Uh, question number four, and I know y'all are like 20 minutes in, we're not even to question four. No, because Terry's my friend, and, and the best the best radio is when you get to talk to people that you like talking to, and I don't get to talk to him a whole lot like this, so I'm going to enjoy – and soak this in before because you got to think the second half of the show is going to be we got to get serious and talk rivalry so it'll it, yeah. be a little tense there so let's enjoy the lighthearted <laughs> moments right now before we go to war uh in question six i'm just kidding uh question number four your favorite louisville football player of all time that's not named lamar jackson or teddy bridgewater because a lot of people like to i noticed that from like the first four weeks people start lamar lamar so i had to i had to tailor that like non-lamar then they started doing Teddy. I was like, you know what? I'm taking them two out. And, and don't say me. I know I'm an easy choice to <laughs> take me out of the equation. Uh, is it? Oh, um, I'm slipping on it. I want to say Brown and Nagel, but that's not right. But the quarterback when Louisville won the Fiesta Bowl. Brown and Nagel. Like that team. Brown and Nagel. Yeah. Is, that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I just remember, again, grew up as a Louisville fan and – I will give Louisville all kinds of credit from being independent to being the ACC in like, you know, 25, 30 years is just absolutely ridiculous, right? I give them all kinds of credit because when I was going to Cardinal Stadium, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't give you couldn't give tickets away. They gave tickets away going, at school. If you'll remember, you got tickets for perfect attendance or, yes. or, or semi-attendance at school. We were the team. We were the Prairie View A&M of the – 80s, uh, yeah. like we would be the team. Here, here's five hundred thousand dollars. Let us come play you, or you come play us. We'll beat you like seventy to nothing, and then everybody will be fine. Right, and and so I remember uh, we went to a game against Marshall, who was one double A at the time, and Marshall just kind of boat raced Louisville, and my dad was like, you know. Louisville's never going to do anything at football. And then just a short period later, the Fiesta Bowl, when there were only like 10 bowls, Louisville was 9-1-1. One, and, one, and I was like, national, you know, a national, yeah. on national TV, they're saying Louisville. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I just, I remember that season and that game wasn't particularly close. And they took care of the Alabama. So for me, that was my probably my best Louisville football memory. That was the season, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember, I think I was about nine or ten years old, and I don't, I don't yell out years. I don't want to tell everybody my age. That that's my business and not y'all's. But uh, I remember that me and my brother and my dad had stayed up. You know, you talk about memories with your parents that you don't ever forget. Um, it it was a, the first game of the season was against San Jose State. It was on the West Coast, which means the football game came on here a little bit later in the night. We weren't normally. It was past our curfew, even on the weekend. So we were normally in bed, but my dad let us stay up to watch the game. And we were so excited. And then it ended in a 10 10 tie. And we were so disappointed. We were so excited to start the day. And then, so, and then it, I think the one loss was to Brett Favre and Southern Miss off that crazy pass play that ended up beating us. Again, I could yeah. be wrong. And I'm sure that y'all will tweet me and tell me I was wrong if I was wrong. But I was a lot younger then. So you'll have to forget. Forgive me for not remembering completely, but yeah, I just, I remember how, and then, you know, just the fact that it was like, like you said, I went out and got the, you know, I went out and got the Fiesta Bowl sweatshirt before the game and and had the Fiesta Bowl backpack with the little, uh, the sun on it and the, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I was all in, man. I was all in on the Fiesta Bowl, even though I wasn't really sure because of what I had saw so far that we were going to have a chance, but we just absolutely dominated them. And that that was one of my definitely one of my top five favorite uh, 
Louisville moments and one of my top three favorite sports moments with my dad alongside with uh, it was Louisville versus uh, Louisville versus LSU and Keith Legree hit that three from about half court to beat Shaq and them. My dad just like he got up, threw his TV table off of his lap, went outside, started like banging pots and pans. And then same thing with uh, we when we won the 80 uh, – I was too young in 80 to remember it, but 86 when we won the national championship. Everybody was outside shooting off guns and lighting off fireworks and b- banging spoons and pans. It was just – just things you just don't – you don't forget. So – Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I grew up a Louisville fan. My middle brother, Kenneth, made the Courier Journal in 1980 when he was at UofL. When the team came back from the from winning the championship, yeah. he's on he's on the bus. Like, is, okay. is this, you know, when everybody celebrates. Mm-hmm. But 86, I remember my parents let me stay up and watch the game. Yeah. And to, to, you know, to not give away my age, I'm mind-blowing that – DJ Wagner, Dewan Wagner's son, is now an elite dude, and I rooted for his grandfather. Like I remember Milt before those free. Th- like, yeah. But let's not let's let's not go let's no, no. not go too far. Yeah, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I also remember his dad missing a bunch of free throws to give Louisville a a conference championship over Memphis one year too. But you know that's neither here nor there. Uh, question number five. We talked about we met by covering. Uh, we got to meet in person by covering sports. Uh, what is your favorite event that you have got to cover? For me, like uh, it was the Sugar Bowl in the 2013 Final Four that most definitely did happen. Uh, what was it for you? Oh, probably uh, – I've, I've been fortunate enough to cover a lot of different things, Kentucky, the tournament, and this, that, and the other. But uh, the road trip I went on to get out to Idaho in 2018 is still probably my favorite memory. You know, that team wasn't very good, but I ended up driving out there. Took 36 hours to get there. It was brutal. But that was a, that was a fun memory. I know everybody was following along on Twitter during that, <laughs> during that period, but, uh, but, but that was fun. Uh, what didn't make it fun was got there, and they are playing Davidson, and Kentucky is, like, losing in the second half. And I'm like, if they lose, I'm going to sit here and just start bawling my eyes out after it took forever to get there. But that's probably my that's probably my best memory. But I, I enjoy covering those games. It's hard. You know, the rules, you can't cheer from the press box. So, you know, people, oh, it's great. You get to go. And it is great. Right. Don't get me wrong. But, man, you you got to sit on your hands. Come on now. That's 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 tough. Yeah, it's not. I, I will. I will vouch for you there. There was. So, Cardinal Sports Zone turns 10 here in about two weeks. And for the first three or four years, I was at every football game on the sidelines, maybe first five years. I did it so I could, you know, increase my visibility, so I can, you know, increase the credibility, things like that. But I got so, like you said, you can't cheer in the press box. And on the sideline, like at Louisville, you weren't allowed to show any kind of emotion on the sidelines either. You had to sneak. Like, I'll never forget we were playing – I want to say it was <clears> – let's <throat> see, there was a monsoon going. So it was the Cincinnati game where John Wallace hit the uh, the field goal with uh, – Devontae Parker went off, had like an 86-yard touchdown. But he, he caught that big touchdown pass, and me and Crumb's Revenge were actually in the end zone. And they start shooting off the fireworks. The cheerleaders are right in front of us, and we notice we've got a second to kind of like slap fives real quick. So we're like – Real quick, yeah. So, you gotta be, yeah, gotta be quick. <laughs> you gotta be on your feet there, uh, but and I get it because you don't you don't want it to appear like you got a bunch of uh, unruly jackins on the sidelines, just you know, looking like they're just there to have a good time. So I I have since turned over my credentials to Jeff Dunn. He takes phenomenal photos for us at Cardinal Sports Zone. And starting this year, Dalton Pence, our football beat, our new football beat writer. He's been doing some stuff in 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 the in the press box. I'm very proud of both of them. Just want to shout them out real quick while we're talking about it. Speaking of uh, really quick, since we're at the half time, since we are at halftime of the show, I want to thank the fine sponsors of the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast and Game Day Prep, Fitness Market, Shack in the Back Barbecue, Derby City Lawn and Landscaping, Four Pegs Beer Lounge, All American Pool and Supply Company. Shout out to them if you need any of their information. Let me know. I will. I'll pass that along to you, and we will get you in touch with them because they all 
provide great services, and I'm not just saying that. I'm the type of person that I'm not going to take your money if you don't have a good product. I I, I cannot be, oh, this is the greatest uh, fitness machines. Like, no, I, I have a couple of machines from Fitness Market. They're phenomenal. I'm a bigger guy. They, they fit me well. They do their job. Uh, when I talk about Shaq in the back and four pegs, man, they have got some of the best barbecue in the city. Uh, if I thought it was horrible, I wouldn't. So I just want to make sure that people out there, again, this may be some people's first times listening to the show. I don't just peddle anybody. Uh, I only talk about it if, if, if I believe in the products and the people, and, and I have some great people that sponsor the show, so I appreciate that. Uh, so, so you don't do like Shaquille O'Neal, where the best tweet <laughs> I saw about that was Shaq is out here on all these commercials like he owes the government money. Absolutely. Like he's like, <laughs> now, now, let's not get it twisted. If I was getting offers like Shaq was, I would peddle everything. Belly Lint, <laughs> it's what's for dinner. Like, I'd be doing all of the, like, Belly Lint, hit me up. If you got a six-figure deal, I'll, I will peddle you like uh, like no other. But, no, I have I have turned down some people because I'm like, you know, I don't believe in their product. And it not to be offens- uh, offensive with that, but it's like I only – like I want the show to be the best, so I only want the best of the best to to sponsor it. So it's time to go to war, TB. Um, let's try to keep it as civil as we can. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm level headed. I, I know we both are. <laughs> I wouldn't have. That's why I'm kind of glad. For those of y'all that don't know, and I am going to call him out. James Strebel was also supposed to join us here, but he uh, he backed out on us, and uh, yeah, I'm calling him out for it. But I think I would have had. I love I love him by the way. He's a great dude. He's all he's been there. Like a lot of people don't know that when we started the Cardinal Sports Zone show on on 93.9, like that was that was kind of a vehicle to get a lot of people in there. I mean, Marcus Maben was on our show. We got him in there. Perrin Johnson, he was first on our show. Strebel, he came on. Uh, I don't remember if you ever came on the show or not, but you were doing some stuff up there too. And I had uh, they had asked us, you know, what what do y'all know about? Team, I'm like, yeah, he's a good dude. Strebel, good dude. Like all these people, good dudes. So I mean, there, there's a lot of history there, and I think I'm I'm glad that Strebel backed out on us because I think me and him might get a little, just I he, mean, he, he did. He gets feisty. He, yeah, he yeah, gets yeah. fired up. Yeah, I think we'd have been a little feisty, but at the end of the day, we'd have been all good and stuff. So, question number six: Kentucky is a team this season that is winning the close games that they normally wouldn't win. Some. Some Louisville fans and Kentucky and national fans have blamed injuries for the other teams. Uh, that's fine. It could be true. But prior Kentucky teams would still have lost to this depleted LSU team or the Florida team that had 200 yards penalties against themselves. Um, Sab, you know, why is this year any different than the other years when Kentucky just could not seem to cash in on – on misfortune or just win, win these games. Cause I mean, Florida and LSU have, have been two of the teams that have long, sort of like Clemson does the Louisville Florida and LSU has kind of, you know, not owned y'all, but I mean, kind of like that in the past. So why, is oh, it, why oh, was this year Florida, different? Florida is absolutely owned. When yeah. you go on a 36 game, you know, winning streak, you own somebody. Yeah, I that's mean, true. When you go from, 1986 to 2018 without losing that's ownage so when people and i hate when our own fans dismiss the wins right yeah because they're like oh well look at what florida is florida's been bad before yeah over the last 40 years and we haven't beat them lsu's been bad before and we haven't beat them uh for me i like coach stoops uh it was a hire that was not sexy at the time but uh, he has, for me, he's brought a confidence into the team. And what I mean is what usually would happen with a Kentucky football team, there's a turnover, fumble, interception, whatever. Everybody slumps their shoulders. And one mistake becomes two, becomes three, becomes four. If you look at a lot of those Kentucky games, uh, like for the 90s back when I was in school, Florida would score like, 28 points in three minutes and 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 that was the game and you'd be kind of close the rest of the game whereas now and this year especially with all the turnovers and that's going to be an issue for saturday's game uh 
the turnovers, you look at they're minus 14 on the season, but they're still got a winning record. They're the only team that's got a winning record. And, you know, they're second from the bottom in turnover margin is because the players believe in what they're doing. And I know it, this is kind of that it's not X's and O's, but they have a belief. Okay, we made a mistake. We can still come back from it. And yeah. to me, that's been the difference. Okay, that's fair enough. And like I said, I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to pile on or nothing like that. But you're right, absolutely. In the past, whenever a Kentucky team would make a mistake, it almost seemed like in their heads they were like, "Well, what can we do to compound this and make it even harder for us to win the game?" This year, it's been the opposite. They, again, you, and, and these are these are things that I've heard from Kentucky fans. Like, I don't put a whole lot of because I mean, Louisville fans are going to rival hard Kentucky fans rival hard but but the 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 people who are the hardest and I guess that's the way it should be because it's it's y'all's team but I hear man, we barely beat Central Michigan and man it took too long for us to get going against New Mexico State and man just we've not beaten a lot of good teams and if if Florida doesn't have 200 yards and holding penalties we don't win that game or if LSU didn't have five defensive players out and it's like well those very well may be true but that's the thing about sports in general especially football you can only play the cards that you're dealt no pun intended and, and yeah when those in the past when those things have occurred Kentucky has found a way to still lose the game and and my point being they have not uh done that this year so far so kudos to you all for that that is something that that I have noticed. Uh, for those of us that don't know, who is the Kentucky uh, football MVP right now? Oh, the MVP. It's got to be Wandale Robinson. Yeah. Uh, he is that guy. So uh, looking back specifically at the Kentucky-Louisville games of the past, I would say the past five, six, maybe seven years, the talent, in my estimation, has been really, really close. The difference has been Louisville has had a guy that can make a play, whether it was Lamar Jackson, Devontae Parker a few years ago. They just had the one dude that if he got the ball in his hands, changed everything. You know, it's yeah. like when you go to boxing and it's that tail of the tape and, you know, they're kind of equal quarterback, offensive, defensive line. And then you have that X factor of a dude that can just go out and make a play. And Wandale Robinson is the dude that he makes a play when he gets the ball in his hands and he puts pressure on the defense to account for him wherever he is. So that to me would be, he would be my MVP right now. Yeah, you're, you're completely right. Devon, whether it's Devonte or even Kyle Bolin, one of the most unlikely uh, heroes, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Tony Stallings. Uh, yeah. There's so so many, but, but you're right. When it comes down to it, they made the plays that they needed to play, uh, to make to win. And, uh, like, that's why at the beginning of this season, I was so unsure about this game. And, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes because my mind has drastically changed since the beginning of the season. But question eight, what are the keys, in your opinion, for, uh, that Kentucky – what does Kentucky have to do to win this game? They can't turn the ball over. They've been very fortunate with – uh, like I said, you know, turning the ball over and being able to negate that. You can't do that in a rivalry game. Uh, you and I both know when you look yeah. back at rivalry games, and I, for one, I'm glad that the game is at the end of the year. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, with you on that. I, I like I like it being at the end of the year. I did like it to be the first game of the year, too, because that kind of set the tone for the season. But as soon as they moved it to the last game of the year, it seems like the next – the first three years, like, bowl eligibility was on the line in the last game. It gave you more to play for, uh, for one team or the other. Uh, there was – there. I think it was Lamar, it may have been Teddy, that actually y'all came in here five and six, and, and Teddy, like, one of the two I, – I can't, I can't remember because those years were so close. Together, but one of them, like, they won the game and, and secured y'all staying home, and then I think a couple years later y'all did the same thing to us. So, yeah, it probably means more at the end of the season. I have to agree with you on that. And, and I, I love it, especially the ACC-SEC thing. you got Kentucky-Louisville, Georgia-Georgia Tech. Uh, you got South Carolina-Clemson, uh, mm -hmm. Florida-Florida State. I love being in the mix at the, at the end of the year because, you know, when we were coming up, those rivalry games – 
you know, Florida, Florida State, that was, that was like, it. I don't care. I don't care who they got. I'm a tune in. Mm-hmm. And so my whole thing is if Kentucky Louisville is going to raise their profile uh, in football, put it at the end where, like you said, there's some stakes involved, like going to what bowl, you know, if you're bowl eligible, I would love to see it get to a point where, you know, this game has an impact on the, uh, uh, on the, um, you know, the playoff scenario, you know, yeah. I, I don't think that's wild and crazy. No, uh, especially with, not if they with, with expand these it. Yeah. They're talking yeah. about expanding it to 12. I mean, that, that'll, that, that is a very, very possible, uh, Excuse me. That is very possible to occur, especially if they if they expand the playoffs to twelve uh, teams. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that happening too. What? So you mentioned turnovers was the key for for Kentucky. Uh, anything yeah. else? I I think uh, like I said, turnovers and offensively, uh, you know, people they, they they like to to throw the ball. Everybody likes that air raid. Kentucky's just got to run the ball. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, second to SEC in rushing, he has got to he's got to pound that rock. He's got to get 120, 130 yards if, if Kentucky is going to be uh, victorious. And that's been I mean, I'm sure you know this, but that's been hard. Louisville has held seven straight opponents to under uh, to under 90 yards with. Uh, and let me go. I've got those stats. So the last so held uh, Duke's. Duke starting running back, who is a thousand yard rusher, uh, Durant to seventy eight yards, Tucker from Syracuse to ninety five, with about forty of those coming in the fourth quarter in garbage time, uh, Shipley from Clemson forty seven yards, Knight from NC State twenty three yards, Guaro from uh, BC eighty six yards, and Virginia's Telepapa forty two yards, and then all the way back to Wake Forest was was the last. Oddly enough, Florida State we allowed their starting running back one hundred and forty yards rushing and and two touchdowns and they those were uh but ellison for wake forest 67 yards so our our strength is our rush defense so and, and out of all those guys a total of one rushing touchdown by all those guys combined in the last seven opponents only 13 allowed the entire year uh which doesn't it sounds impressive it does but it doesn't but got to take into consideration Four of those came in the very first game of the year when we waited till the second half to start playing football against Mississippi. Yeah. So, uh, what about Louisville? What do they have to do to win this game? And after you give your thoughts, I do have some notes I wrote down uh, because I can't really, I can't really rep for Kentucky as hard as you can. So, <laughs> I, I think for Louisville to win, kind of like you said, they've got to stop the run. That's going to be the telltale sign because the last couple of Kentucky blowout victories, they've just been able to run the ball. Yeah. Uh, and, and that has really, you know, been kind of the, the way they've been to, able to enforce their will on, on Louisville. So if Louisville's able to do that, uh, and, and that's on the offense, I think if Louisville can put up, you know, 30 points, you know, I don't know. Does Kentucky win a shootout? I don't know if the offense is built for a shootout. They've had some 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 games against Tennessee, six hundred mm-hmm. yards, seven hundred yards against New Mexico State, which I'm not. You know, right. That's New Mexico State, but I just don't know if the offense is comfortable trying to score into the 30s where it's a, a shootout. So uh, if Louisville can pass the ball, the Kentucky pass defense hasn't been great. Uh, Mississippi State, Will Rogers kind of ate him up. Dinkin and Duncan, Tennessee. Don't get me started about that. So <laughs> the 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 Kentucky secondary is susceptible to the big play. Well, and speaking of Dinkin and Duncan, that that's what uh, that that's what Malik does best. Honestly, a lot of people are like, well, he's only thrown five interceptions this year, but yeah, four of them have come when he's tried to get out of his comfort zone and make deep passes. Now. He's been making a lot of good deep passes here lately, but also he's had four interceptions in the last uh, three games as well, with two of them coming in the same game. So I, I would really like to see him get away from throwing the the long ball. But if if uh, so, here are my keys real quick. And I don't normally do this, but again, this is rivalry week, so I want to share as much information as I can with everybody listening on both sides. I feel like the keys are this. Uh, number one, get Malik going. Uh, the cards are nearly unbeatable when Malik gets the ball moving. You've seen that the last over the last month. Even in the close losses, we've had chance to win those games. And I know there's a lot of people that are out there right now that are like, 
the Louisville fans, not Kentucky fans, because according to most Kentucky fans, we should not have a win this year, and we're going to get beat by 80 uh, Saturday night. But most Louisville fans are like, you know, we could be nine and one or ten and one right now, but there's been a we could also have a lot more losses. So we have not we have not when it's come down to clutch, we have not performed this year like we did Satterfield's first year. I throw out last year completely because we were without six, 14 to sixteen players every week. I don't like to be that person yeah. that's like, oh well, no, no. Satterfield was the ACC coach of the year his first year here. We we made a lot of plays to secure games on the last drive of the game. Those same things that we did the first year is what lost us games the second year. There, the first two years could have very well been carbon copies if we had caught the breaks on the second in the second year that we did the first year. But anyway, back to TB. You'll, you'll know that I, I go off on a lot of tangents when I start when, when I do these because <laughs> things hit my head and I'm like I got to talk about that. But again, Card's nearly unbeatable when Malik gets the ball moving. Uh, Mark Stoops and Brad White will be throwing a bunch of different looks at Cunningham right out of the gate. Sustaining these drives from the beginning will bode well for the Cards. Cards had to stop the run. You said that. I agree with you. I got a whole little thing here about it. Again, the Cards have been great shutting down starting running backs this season. I already went through all the stats. Uh, one total rushing touchdown between all those. 13 overall with four coming in the opening game. This has to continue this week. This will be our third straight week facing a 1,000-yard a rusher. Uh, the Cards have not allowed a 100-yard rusher since FSU, and they must shut down Chris Rodriguez. On top of that, uh, secondary back, uh, I don't know how to say his first name, Cavassier Smoke, is that it? Cavassier, pass the Cavassier. Got yeah. it, got it. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's the number two back, and, and he's 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 solid. Now, yeah, he's he, a good change of pace back. But you got to lead on Rodriguez, and you throw in Cavassier Smoke. So it's and, and Juton McLean. So it's three headed monster back there. But I do believe that you know Rodriguez is kind of that bell cow that kind yeah. of sets the it sets the tone. And, and I do have here to 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 back up what you said. Uh, second string back, Cavassier Smoke is also a player that the Cardinal defense will have to game plan for. Absolutely. Uh, penetration. This will be one of the top three offensive lines the Cards go against this season. Maybe top two. Uh, Darian Kennard is likely a first rounder next April, while the rest of the line yeah. is composed of seasoned veterans. Y'all have been up for the old line of the year award four out of the last six years, I saw. Uh, yeah. They have to build on the success they've had. This past month, Louisville, they have to rush uh, Levis into throwing and making mistakes and not just throwing upside-down L's on social media. Uh, the, <laughs> the safeties versus Wondell Robinson. This is the key matchup for me that will likely decide the game. Uh, the Cards will be able to score on, on that defense, so containing Mr. Robinson is a must. The Wildcats have made an effort all year to get him the ball in different ways, out wide in the slot, jet sweeps, screens, etc., so Louisville is going to have to know where he is at all times. And, and Kentucky does have a, a set, not that they only have two good receivers, but they have a secondary receiver in Ali that can benefit from uh, from Wondell getting double teamed or schemed up or something like that. Like there, there is a, uh, that's why I said this is the most important to me anyway, matchup. And with the Louisville secondary, having so many people out due to injury, I, re I just really wish we could have had our full – this would have been a, a really fun game if if um, if if Monty could have been out there and if uh, Kittrell Clark could have been out there. But I still think that this is going to end up a very, very fun game. Uh, I got two more points. I'm sorry. Like I said, I knew this was going to be a longer <laughs> show because I had so much to say. TB had so much to say. And I know y'all are enjoying us breaking this down. Two more points, and I promise – I'll wrap it up. Uh, running the ball versus throwing the deep ball, as I said earlier, the cards have to focus on the run and short inter intermediate passes to dominate. Uh, Malik has been making some long passes, as I said before, but he's best when he runs and dinks and dunks on defenses. And you said Kentucky is susceptible to that to an extent. And he also yeah. make, Malik makes less uh, mistakes also. Four of his five interceptions, like I said, have come all come off of long balls. That fifth one came off of a tipped pass. He seems less accurate, accurate throwing the long ball, but he's improved. But his his game, his bread and butter is the 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 short yardage uh, passes and just doing what he does when he runs. It's it's like I don't like comparing him to Lamar, but 
just watching him do what he does is, is just it's just as special. It's special in a different way than watching Lamar. Uh, you know, our last three quarterbacks, Teddy, Lamar, and Malik, they've just been uh, – and, and I mean as far as starting the majority of the games while while they were here because Lamar had a couple of – well, even Reggie. Reggie Bonifant was, was a tremendous quarterback as well. But uh, just it's it's been very it, – it's taken the sting off of losing as much as we've had. I know that's a weird thing to say. But being able to watch how your quarterback, your leader, handles things. And, you know, the one thing I can say is that Coach Satterfield has been in all almost every single game that we he's coached here at Louisville, he's been in almost all of them. I can't really, off the top of my head, remember a, a blowout uh, since he's been here. The, the most important th- – the, the, the question that intrigues me the most is, again, in the three seasons where – He's come so close to winning or losing. Like I said, the first year, the the card the cards had the clutch gene. They made plays on the last drives of the game to secure wins. They lost those same games the second year. This year, it's been a mixture of both. Um, how do you? I was talking with Steve uh, Steve Rummage earlier, and I was like, "How do you fix that? How do you fix?" And it, and it, I guess the the answer is. You just get better, and you get better athletes in. And a lot of these guys on the team, I mean, I love the whole team, but um, half of them are still Bobby's guys. So we got. I think the more we get his guys out, not that they weren't any good, but the more we get all uh, Sats guys in, I think that it, that he'll be able to, to, to win more games. The se- season next year sits up favorably for us, so I, I, I'm pretty excited if, if – he he's our coach next year, right? And Satterfield's in the same boat that the Stoops was in just yeah. a few years ago. You know, uh, when Stoops came in, the cupboard was bare, buddy. Like it was just, you know, as far as roster. But the first game I covered uh, was uh, 2012. It was the uh, it was Joker Phillips' last home game. That's the first game I covered, and I was excited. And I get to the press box, and I'm doing all this kind of stuff, and I'm like. This is the SEC. Like, there shouldn't be there shouldn't be duct tape keeping carpet together. Like, there shouldn't be things like that that you have to do. So, uh, I think you have to give a coach some time. You know, I, I tweeted an article that I was reading the other day. Basically, I, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, ESPN Daily podcast had over the last decade six hundred million dollars almost over half a billion dollars in dead money coaching contracts in collegiate sports. Coaches getting paid to not coach. So that to me is insane. My point is if you get a guy that you think is your guy or your, or your, your woman for free male, you know, your coach, right? Right. You got to give them some time. You know, Stoops was two and 10, two and 10, five and seven, five and seven. And a lot of people are saying he's not the guy. We got to make the move. Be patient. Be patient. Or you end up like these other programs where you're just cycling through coaches. Yeah. Just cycling through. Uh, If you get a coach that you really believe in and you give them everything they can, you got to ride out. Even if you have a season where there's a step back season, you got to just ride that out or else you end up like Nebraska football. Did you know they're still paying Bo Pelini? I did not know that. He is still on their books. Like we know I mean, a little bit something here about paying coaches that aren't here anymore, too. So right, so right, so you can, so you can, yeah. we're going to be all in on this person, and it's like I said, and I forget the question number. Talk about what's the difference between we've got a roster full of Stoops as guys. We got a roster full of yeah. guys that Stoops brought in that really believe in what what he's doing and they were brought in to, to fit in what he wants to do. So you don't want to say those old players, you know, those Bobby players are, are bad guys or you don't want a good, you don't want, you know, they're student athletes. Right. Right. But, but it's a difference to have, okay, these are guys that I brought in that are going to do exactly what I need for them to do. Give the guy some time. Absolutely. And it's been, it's almost like you've been listening to our show the entire season because I've been preaching that since week one. After we lost to, to Mississippi, it was almost like the 
and when I say this, I mean the Louisville fan base on Twitter because uh, the the overall fan base is not the same as the the Twitter fan base. The tw- Twitter fan yes. base is like just a microcosm of the. But they're uh, loud. But, but they're like, that's what I was telling somebody earlier. They're like, well, why would why would Sat leave uh, after the season? And I'm like, well, or, or because of just because of of fans speaking up. I'm like, well, whereas the Twitter fan base is the smallest, he's got access to them, and he doesn't necessarily have access to all the Louisville fans because the majority of the people, as odd as this is for me, I know more people that don't have social media or Twitter than I do that do have Twitter. So it's like, you know, but he see it like they are directly adding him and being like, hey, Coach Sack, go jump off a bridge. Or, you know, I can't wait for you to leave. And I'm like, that that will take a, a toll on coaches. But I've been saying the whole season, you got to give the guy four or five seasons before you, before you make that move because – I feel like we messed up, even though we got John L. and that ended up being a great transition between Coop and Bobby uh, the first time. Like we gave up on Coop went seven and four, and we won a bowl game his first year. Uh, we had the one in ten year, my my friend, uh, my sophomore year, and then you know he he had like a five and seven year the third year I believe, and then we fired him. Like I really think he would have benefited from two more years. And as you could see, the players he left behind absolutely bought out for Louisville uh, the next two seasons. But again, we get off track here. Uh, my last, oh, yeah. Yeah. my last point, real quick, and then we'll talk about whatever. Uh, it's I feel like it's important we win the turnover game. As in any game, you give yourself a better chance to win if you for, force more turnovers than you commit. Malik has been absolutely phenomenal with his decision making this season. Uh, five interceptions this year, 175 last year. Uh, that's not accurate. But he had a lot of interceptions last season. Uh, and I feel like Ural's quarterback, I, I, I like him. I think he's a gutsy quarterback. But I feel like he makes more mistakes throwing the ball when he's pushed out of the comfort zone, which is why I said penetration is is key to this because if we can get him to make mistakes, that will make it easier for us to win. And uh, I, I, I just don't know that he's, he's had enough experience to, to – he may prove me wrong. But I just feel like he's too inexperienced to be able to handle this type of a game. It's in Louisville. So, again, that's just one man's opinion. It is what it is. We're going to get your opinion next, though, TB. What is your score prediction? This is question number 10. What is your score prediction? Who do you have? Oh, I'm, I'm going to go 31-28 caps. Uh, like I said earlier, if Louisville gets into the 30s, that to me is when I'm going to start to get nervous because I just don't. When you talk about comfort zone with Will Levis, if it starts being a shootout where he's got to sling that ball, I don't like that at all. So I'm going to say 31-28 because what we need are some really – we need some great games. You know, the the football games, it's – it's if you look at it, it's been a lot of blowouts both ways. Yeah. So I think there just needs to be some, some, some good games, uh, because like I said, having the game at the end of the year, you know, Clemson, South Carolina, that's, that's meh. Georgia, Georgia Tech. I mean, Georgia's on a different planet. Florida, Florida State. I mean, is this going to be their first matchup where both teams are like five hundred or worse? So probably. So if Louisville, especially. Uh, 7.30 ESPN, if, if Louisville, Kentucky can deliver a really good game, and there's been a few, you know, the, the 41-38, there's been a few of them that have been, but if Louisville, Kentucky can deliver, oh, wow, you know, and at least be that ESPN talking point, I think I think that benefits both programs, but I'll say 31-28. All right, I'm going to, and and honestly, I'm not the homer guy normally. I picked against Louisville a bunch of games this year. So when I say this, everybody's going to be like, oh, Jimmy's being a homer. Uh. But to me, God, because it's a 730 game on Saturday, because Louisville has been building on momentum, they've been shutting down a 1,000-yard rushers, I'm going Louisville 38-17. to 17. I just – the momentum, the night game, the confidence in these players – the fact that I feel like also Kentucky's going to overlook them uh, because this is the, any team that has like a really good year and they start to feel themselves. My senior year at Doss included when we were feeling ourselves and then lost in the first round of J-Town uh, because we thought we were going to blow them off the field and we didn't. 
I think there's going to be some of that in play. I think that when you think you're the better team, it, which the record indicates that, uh, you know, you, you go into those games sometimes. So if they don't have anybody kind of like keeping them level, I, I fully expect to see the same thing we saw before the Kyle Bowling game where, where the players were on the field about to start fights and dancing on the Cardinal bird <laughs> and stuff like that. I just think there's too much juice. I think there's too much just excitement. And I think this – the reason I picked Louisville is because in games like this where there's the West Virginia blackout game, Sugar Bowl, and I'm in no way trying to compare that I think this is going to be as like epic quality-wise, but right. games when Louisville have had their backs up against the wall and people aren't giving them a chance are the games that they tend to win the most. I feel like we'll go to bed happy Saturday night. We'll wake up Sunday morning screaming at Saturday, uh, pun intended, uh, we will praise Saturday. Uh, well, Saturday. We'll praise Sat all day long, along with Jesus and His name, and uh, and have a good old time. Either way, one of us is going to be happy, and the other one's going to be waiting. Well, we'll both be waiting for our bowl game. But TB, thank you so much for joining me today, man. I really do appreciate it. Uh, can you let the fine yeah. people out there on both sides know where they can find all your work and your social media handle? Yeah, they can check out our show, Cats Talk Wednesday. It's at Cats Talk WED. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and uh, on the Anchor Network. And we're even on the BS3 Network on your Roku device. So we got some TV stuff going. Uh, okay, big time. Like that. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> BT TV. Uh, big time TV. Yeah. And then uh, you can find my personal uh, Twitter account. It's at tbrown underscore 80, at tbrown underscore 80 for uh, my favorite sports uh, athlete of all time, D. Jerry Rice. So uh, that's where they can find me. Yeah, and if you really want to find him, just look up most liked and retweeted tweet of 2020, <laughs> and he'll pop right up there, I promise you. I promise oh, you. Oh, man, that was, that, was, that was still a crazy ride. So It really, like I said, it inspired – people all over the country this wasn't just like oh you trip i've trended locally locally quite a bit i've never uh, one time i say i never one time i traded nationally and i thought i was but it was not no half million likes and two hundred fifty thousand <laughs> retweets it was, but oh, it, was it was all right though but it wasn't it wasn't like tv that's for sure but quick story since you know i'm here in iowa i don't know if you saw this the other day you know i found a barbershop and I'm Mr. Kentucky guy when I go in there now. And one of the guys said, hey, I didn't even know they had black people in Kentucky. What do y'all do for fun? I was like, y'all are just Iowa. But then I turned and looked, and they got a, a poster of Muhammad Ali uh, up in the shop. And I said, hey, y'all the ones got a Kentucky guy up on the on, on the wall there? You know, that's my hometown guy. What are you talking about? Right, you can tell black, they ain't never been to Louisville before. <laughs> black, black people in Louisville, like, there's one. So kind of like Iowa is kind of like my uh, where my family, my mom's side of the family's from down there. It's just like, I'll be honest, I I went, I've been to Iowa when I was a kid a couple times with my dad. Like that's another thing, real quick. Again, we get off on tangents. It's okay. It's our show. It's my show. It's it's TV show. We'll do what we want to do. We'll go as long as we want. But one of the memories I I remember uh, remember, you can tell I've been talking uh, very very loose. One of my favorite memories from growing up is like I come from a very meager household. We were like we had bill collectors knocking on our doors. My mom and dad both were going to college probably around the same time I was in high school because you know they stopped to raise a family. They didn't get things done like they should have, but they set a great example for us by going back to college and finishing up those degrees. So by the time I was in high school, they both had decent jobs. And what they would do is they would save up all year and take us on a vacation out west. So we go out west, and I remember Iowa growing up, like it was Des Moines, and then it was nothing else for miles and miles. So we it's still like that, by the way. It's I was gonna say it's still kind of like that. Uh, Absolutely. I, a couple of weeks ago, I went up with my wife. My, my wife has been uh, doing some stuff up in Minnesota. And you got to get go through Iowa to get to Minnesota. And we went through Davenport. Davenport seemed like a nice little Louisville-esque town. 
Uh, but then it was nothing but cornfields and those weird solar windmills for miles and miles. Those things are huge. Those and things are huge. They're also kind of creepy, too. If you get, like, about 50 of them in one spot, you think you're, like, in the Children of the Corn movie or, or one exactly. of those sci-fi movies. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, shout out again real quick to all of our fine sponsors, Fitness Market, Shack in the Back Barbecue, Four Pegs Beer Lounge, Derby City Lawn and Landscaping, All-American Pool and Supply Company. We are working on more currently. If you'd like to sponsor the show, give us a call, 502-694-0375. You can also get in touch with us on social media. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at Card Sport Zone. Uh, on Facebook, we're Cardinal Sports Zone, three separate words. Uh, hit that like button. Make a Facebook official like like TB did on Twitter. And uh, you can find our YouTube. Our new YouTube channel is at Cardinal Sports Zone, one whole word. Uh, real quick, like I tell everybody, the reason why we've got so many different variations of that is our website and our Twitter got hacked about four years ago. So when it got hacked, we had to change some stuff up. So it's not uniform yet but we'll, we'll figure out a way to get all that to say the same thing so you don't have to hear me say that over and over every week i can just say follow us all at cardinal sports owner however it is um speaking of uh speaking of the show you can find the show on all your podcast avenues over 120 in all including apple itunes buzzsprout spotify stitcher tune in google amazon iheart uh and we just <sighs> I want y'all to hit subscribe on any of those. I'm really worried because we just got added to Facebook podcast and I'm, I'm that, that should be real interesting. I'm not really sure whose mom's aunt's going to like tw uh, message me and cuss me out or anything. You know how Facebook can be. It's worse than Twitter, but uh, yeah, we're, we're registered with Facebook podcast now. So, so check us out. If you haven't listened to all the episodes of the Cardinal sports zone podcast in the past, Go back, check them all out. You can go to cardinalsportszone.com, the place it all began. Go to the tabs at the top, hit the podcast tab, drop down. You can listen to episodes of CSE on 93.9 from the past, Live with 55, which is the show I did uh, back, way back in the days. They're, they're all there. And then the CSE podcast, which is what this is. Check it all out. Shout out to everybody out there who's sharing the podcast. We do appreciate you. Uh, TB, you got any final words for us? Uh, I just want both teams to have fun. No, <laughs> I, the, the good thing about this game is it, it is becoming must-see TV, and I think that's good for everybody. Because like you said, uh, when they weren't playing, that, that was dumb. That yeah. was dumb. Yeah, and, and so now I just want to put the, the Commonwealth's uh, front and center. So, you know, let's have a great game and, and, and go Cats. Well, you know, I hope for all of that except for the go cards on the end there. But <laughs> we want to thank everybody again for all your support. Thanks for tuning in this week. We love you all. Until next time, this has been Game Day Prep, and this has been the Cardinal Sports Zone Podcast with Jeremy Wallman and Terry Brown, the notorious TB. I love this dude. One of the best. In the future, I need to figure out how to do the video, too, because I think this would be a nice little YouTube thing, too. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely – like, we're – like you see Sports Center and they, they talk, but you can't hear the words at the end over the outro. Like we're, we're kind of got that vibe going on right now. Yeah. All right, I'll shut up now. Here's the outro. <laughs> <laughs>